Well, there is a new unstoppable movement that's fixing almost everything wrong with America's health care. It's called direct care, and by sidestepping entrenched extractive middles, employers and consumers alike can eliminate all the built-in confusion, gaming, all the tyranny. Because direct care pays for itself, so the members and white coats are doubling every three years. Welcome to the new healthcare economy, where everyone wins. Redirect Health. I chose Redirect Health as our sponsor for a few reasons. I'm a happy client five years now, and our most downloaded shows by far are Redirect Health shows. No one has a health plan for small employers more focused on reducing healthcare costs than Redirect Health. They have over 3,000 Google five-star ratings and growing daily, and they average 4.6 stars overall. So stay tuned for your free report at the end of this show. Business Owner's Guide to Slashing Healthcare Premiums. Get.redirecthealth.com backslash run. And now to the show. How do the BUCAs, the Blue Cross United Cigna Aetnas, game doctors and hospitals by skirting prompt pay statutes? And also in today's rant is why do docs take Medicare Advantage? And I'll, I'll bury the lead and get to that one first. Almost one in 10 claims are not paid by the bigs using these tricks I'm about to tell you. We can call it evil, we can call them clever deadbeats, but it's a big bag of three card money tricks and they hold most of the cards. In no other profession is this happening. You work, you go unpaid for months if at all. I wonder why Dr. Burnout's so high. Well, almost one in three claims submitted to giant insurance companies weren't paid out for more than three months, which violates pretty much all 50 state prompt pay statutes, okay? And if you're in Medicare, 12% of all claims submitted to traditional Medicare took that long. How do they do it? Well, one is prior authorizations, also known as pre-certification denials. These are fancy words for upfront auto-generated denials based on the payer's sole decision that a doc didn't get prior approval for care. Well, okay, you don't always have to if you've been on the same medication or the same treatment for months or years, but the care wasn't necessary based on that diagnosis, suddenly they decide, you see the game, it's an algorithm to not pay or to slow pay. The rate of these medical necessity denials has only been rising for years. And here's what happens with the denial. It triggers a major fight to get paid. You fight the denial and your biller and coders face a labyrinthian labor intensive appeals process that will involve your medical assistants, your nursing staff, the physician, and probably even the patient sometimes. I had to hire lawyers, which gets expensive fast. You can spend 10 grand a month in a blink. And this is always costly, time consuming and difficult. And it doesn't end with they are making full payment. They settle often, they compromise. Sometimes it's even zero or a fraction of the claim. And they are the Supreme Court, unless you prove it in court otherwise, which again, most doctors aren't going to do. The prior authorization denial category is a subset of the denials. So prior auth is a little different from pre-auth. Through the first quarter of this year, commercial payers were initially denied one in six of all inpatient and outpatient claims for any reason. And that's about 4% from Medicare over the same period. Another claim denial game is called requests for information. The RFI denials occur when the payer decides not to process a claim 
because some type of required document, an attachment or signature, or I wasn't dotted or it was junior instead of senior, is not completing the medical record to perfection. And I mean perfection. One little thing is missing. Sorry, guys, you're not getting paid. Now, fix it and we'll pay you later. Commercial payers have 12 times the denial rate as Medicare, according to the numbers. The RFI denial delays payment at least 45 days up front, just bada bing, bada boom. And United Health just reported a couple of days ago 5.6 billion in quarterly, 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 I'm saying profit, a 12% bump over last year. Yet they need doctors to spot them 45 days, like a banker. And the week they reported these record profits, they also sent a letter to all physicians globally saying, they unilaterally have decided to pay at or below Medicare rates for all commercial care, not two or three times Medicare, Medicare rates. And it starts December 15th, 2023. You will go broke at Medicare rates 100% of the time. This is the biggest insurance carrier in the country, in fact, in the world. The post office was told by their number one customer, Amazon, a few years ago to deliver at rates below their costs, or they're going to stop using USP. And the post office, like most doctors said, sure, it cost about $5 billion in losses last year, which is about the same as the year before. So it's the frat house scene in Animal House where he just bends over, gets the lick and says, thank you, sir, may I have another? And it's not just the book of commercial accepting docs. This plagued Medicare Advantage docs too. Like I said, at the top of this rant, they're just not getting paid 10% of the time. So through November, 2022, when isolating Medicare Advantage payers, they had to write off almost 9% of their inpatient revenue versus half of that last year. So the delay and deny games are almost doubled if the payout is in red waters. No wonder 75% of docs tell their kids not to seek medicine as a profession. What other profession tells their kids that? The end around is to simply opt out. Primary care doctors and nurses today total 30,000 who see 30 million members in direct primary care. 8% of surgery centers are independent and take same day cash pay, as do pretty much all the specialists. Nomi and UberDocs and Sesame and today's guests are pathways to find some or all of those specialists. Employers are rejecting this evil empire, this evil regime and this dark way of getting paid and it's one in three in their blue collar workforce, their backbone, who are in collections, 105 million today, and they fear even using their coverage. So we call these folks functionally uninsured, which is maybe up to one in three workers. No one really knows. Bernie Sanders just said in a hearing on Capitol Hill, 85 million, but it's a large number, we know that. Doctors and consumers and employers all win when this dark practice of billing and coding and then praying to get paid is rejected outright, kick to the curb. You listening aren't stuck in your company plant if you can't even use it. You can go to a local direct primary care physician for under a hundred bucks a month. You can get terrific primary care and a whole suite of other services. And you can add healthcare ministry if you wanna take care of the high cost care like cancer and cardio and preemie birth and all of those scary things. So again, you can get your family in a plan that imitates exactly what you're getting at work for a tiny fraction of what you're spending, usually 40, 20, as much as 60% less. I use Redirect Health, which combines both of those kinds of plans. So you'll save a bundle and you won't be denied, denied ever again. And your doctors won't be slaves losing money who are also burned out.
The motto of these bigs is to delay, deny, play you, then you pray. My motto was six years ago before I opted out. It's clearly a form of evil design for shareholders and bonuses for the suits, but not for the rest of us. I've never looked back. Here are two more people who have done the exact same thing. Today, I'm happy to introduce you to Sam Moen, who's the CEO and co-founder of MD Direct. And Michelle Golden is interim head of administration with the Eau Claire School District, which is the eighth largest in Wisconsin, with 11,000 students and 1,400 employees. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Ron. Great. Do y'all have any comments before we get going? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's just start. Yeah. Okay. All right. So MD Direct is a direct to specialist company with operations and your goal is to reduce people like the school district's overall cost by bringing clinical experts to the table that are direct pay, same day, cash pay. And so you're making healthcare less costly and more better outcomes. Did I kind of explain it right? Yeah. So Ron, one of the things that I learned after working in the side of providers and insurance companies is there was often a delay to getting to that right person. So what we have tried to do is take a model that is already working really, really well, which is used in the NFL, which is get patients when they have, let's just say a knee injury to a knee specialist as fast as possible, instead of being bounced around a healthcare system, trying to find what the, the real diagnosis is. So what we're trying to do is just accelerate that diagnosis process and get people to that right expert. So we've designed a, a, a way using technology and then we've partnered with some employers that are thinking around how do we design a better healthcare experience? And I think Michelle is probably one of the best examples of an employer who truly understands how to deliver a better healthcare experience. And I think it takes kind of a group effort. So we help groups with the orthopedic side, but it really, we have to fit into a larger model within that employer system. And direct primary care is a huge part of that. So we're really lucky to have individuals like Michelle, who I would say are truly the innovators in healthcare. Those are the ones that are making the hardest decision, which is selecting the plan and selecting groups like us. I think that's the most difficult decision right now in healthcare is making that change. So Michelle, what's been your experience on your end working with not only MD Direct, but with the whole direct ecosystem? So um, in Chippewa Falls, I was the executive director for human resources. And um, I was also the our people coach and one of our commitments was that we would encourage and support the well-being of our staff and what i went through is trying to figure out how we could continue to provide high quality care to our staff but decreasing our costs our premiums continued to go skyrocket and in a publicly funded organization we don't have additional money so I went to look at our healthcare claims and said, we need to somehow decrease these things. And so um, I explored the idea of direct primary care and over a, probably a year period um, ended up implementing direct primary care in our school district. And we had wonderful success over the six years that I was there during this period. And one of the things that we did was brought in MD Direct to try to decrease our orthopedic care. 
So um, as we looked at our data, one of the things that we noticed was the cost of our direct primary care. We looked at the cost of our orthopedics and our pharmaceutical were our low-hanging fruit to say, if we can take care of these three things, we're going to be moving in the right direction. And so that's what we did. What kind of savings did y'all look at after year one? After year one, uh, we made a significant difference. I have the data here over our six-year period, but over the first year, uh, we had about a $6 million difference in what we were spending prior to. Well, so you can use that for a lot of different things. Did y'all give relief to the teachers with some kind of pay increase yep. or other benefits or what, how did that play out for the teachers? That played out. Um, it allowed us to be able to give increases to all of our staff, including our lowest paid staff who had to pay their ins summer um, insurance premium. And it allowed us to be able to take that off the table for them and provide the same amount of premium over a 12 month period versus over a nine month period. And that really helped our lowest paid employees. But then on top of that, it allowed us to be able to give pay increases to all employee groups. Well, so we're talking about bus drivers and janitorial staff and you know the uh, cafeteria workers. Yep. All the folks that are the blue collar that are basically functionally uninsured, were they unable to use their plan before Michelle because of the high deductibles or the uh, cost of getting in, even into it? We had um, uh, a number of our employees who um, would need to issue our district about $6,000 checks, some of them higher, just to keep their insurance over the summer. And so what that did is took that $6,000 payment to us away for them, and they got the normal premium from what they would pay during the school year over the summer. And you're right. Some people chose not to do that because they couldn't afford to write that $6,000 check. So what is your participation rate in the direct plan versus do they still have the original high deductible plan? We do have a high deductible plan. We have DPC through our high deductible plan, but we had about 85% of our employees who didn't meet their deductible at all. And it allowed them to be able to keep that money in their pocket. We did provide an additional stipend to help them offset their costs, but our our DPC cost for them to go into the clinic was $25. So for the amount of money that they got to, that was put into their health savings account, they were easily able to go to the doctor as much as they really needed to over that period of time. Yeah, you're the third school district I've spoken with. I spoke to uh, Ashtabula near Cleveland. I've spoken with a deep South Texas school district and their participation rates were very low because of these high deductible plans. And they went up to, both of them went up to 100%. Both of them saved millions of dollars. And one of them is currently giving free healthcare to all their employees now 100% with no co-pays, no deductibles. Is that something you are ultimately trying to head to? Well, I've since retired from that district as of June. That was originally the a part of the direction that we would have liked to have gone. One of our issues is that we did contribute an amount of money to their health savings account. And through IRS regulations, if you do that, you can't offer free care. I see. That was um, kind of one of our issues that we were struggling with. You take that money away and offer free care. I think that yeah, there were some complications with that, but that would be the best way to go. And that's what we had spent a lot of time talking about. 
Yeah, there there are some bills to get that changed. So what about orthopedic care? What happened with orthopedic care in relation to the previous years before you had this MD direct? So I, I want Sam to jump in here too, but our orthopedic care costs were extremely high and we were able to save large amounts of money. So if I look at the first year to our fourth year, um, that's the data that I had. Well, we started with MD Direct in 1920. And the last data that I had is that we were spending, a, when we first started, $155,000, over $155,000 per month on costs. And we were able to drop down to $80,000 in that four-year period. So Sam, what's going on? Is there a lot of unnecessary surgery that is happening? Is there overdiagnosis? What, what's, why did that number drop so precipitously? Yeah, that's a great question, Ron. And that's something that we look to the claims to answer. So when we did a deep dive of all the orthopedic care that was happening before we got to the school district, we looked specifically at surgeries. And one of the things we found was there was a, a large number of back surgeries in the inpatient setting and total knees in the inpatient setting, which we would call both of those kind of end stage re end stage procedures, where after you do a total knee, then you're, that's kind of the only thing you can do moving forward. So what we did is we really looked at, is this an appropriate surgery? So the short answer is we eliminated a lot of what we would call unnecessary surgeries or too aggressive surgeries. And we implemented strategies like making sure there's the proper injection techniques are are satisfied before doing that surgical episode. So we saw the number of surgeries go down by about half. And a lot of that transition in the surgeries was from a, let's just say a total knee to something like a meniscectomy. So going from an inpatient surgery to an outpatient, less invasive procedure. And that really was done by doing a better job diagnosing these patients by orthopedic surgeons and getting them on the right treatment plan. Cause a lot of times what we found is they were getting to that wrong person. They were going to physical therapy for, you know, 20, 30 visits, which is kind of a crazy amount when you look at it. But in, in reality, that's something that happens. Um, so we were getting people to care faster. So when we looked at the number of orthopedic visits before it took about eight per individual. So somebody would show up and it'd take about eight for them to get to get better per year. And we dropped that number down to four. So it was really a reduction in the number of visits. And the stat that we've seen around is about 40% of orthopedic care is not evidence-based or unnecessary. So that's something we really want to attack with basically just a better quality process. Catherine Jacobson Raymond wrote a definitive book called Crooked on the Racket. It is orthopedics. And she took her New York Times experience and had hundreds and hundreds of citations and the thing that shocked me about the book was how few spinal surgeons would actually get many of the surgeries they recommend to their patients. They would use it off an MRI and MRIs are basically would show everybody has something funny in that MRI. So no spine looks normal and, and they would operate based on not only incomplete information, but not trying other therapeutics first. And I, I'm hearing you say that you're not only going with non-invasive, but you're probably trying other physical therapy first before you get to the, uh, the knife. Yep. Yeah. There's a bunch of conservative treatments that we saw weren't being used. So for example, there's a long acting steroids that you can inject into your shoulder, knee, hip that will provide six months of relief that work much better than cortisone shots. 
So a lot of doctors, maybe they try a cortisone shot, but there actually is one more step you can take. Bex is really a difficult thing that I think having a specialist look at, but there's a lot of different conservative treatments you can do. And we know that there's some treatments that work really well and some that don't. So if you are going to PT and they're having you stretch and then go on a, a treadmill and do some stimulation, that's not really going to advance it. We found techniques like manual therapy. There's different physical therapy techniques that work much better. So getting patients to that conservative treatment that works really, really well was something that we found those providers, let's just say in the school district area and would send patients to, and we found a huge change in the outcome. So people are getting healthier, faster, uh, but also the clinical care was much better, much more evidence-based. Um, and it's really difficult to navigate, but I think we did a great job of involving the DPC doctors and getting them to our specialists, but then kind of creating this own little health system for the school district. So I think that was really, really effective. And uh, we saw the the engagement numbers go up significantly once people started learning this is a faster and better approach. So it took a little bit of time, but I think with, with uh, Michelle's team and everybody there, we really saw some dramatic improvement. Well, before I get back to you, Michelle, I'm gonna ask you about the NFL model. Joe Montana famously has had 27 surgeries on three different joints. Earl Campbell, my hero when I was in college, can't walk anymore because not only the medication's affecting him, but his knees are just gone. And for six years, he couldn't walk. He may be able to today, but I mean, he's a couple years younger than me and he's basically a cripple. I think the old NFL protocols were a lot more uh, knife happy than the, the current protocols, which gets people like Tom Brady back to work quickly mm -hmm. and not, you know, sitting or watching videos on how to lift a box, right? Yep. Yep. You know, so what we've, we've talked to a lot of these physicians that are doing these treatments and the surgeons with these, and you, you saw Aaron Rodgers is doing some type of uh, PRP injections to help with his recovery. Um, the surgeries they're doing are much less invasive. And I think surgery is not the only thing that will get people better. And what we're often hearing from a lot of NFL athletes is they're trying to understand, like, how is this going to impact me in the future? You know, am I going to be able to walk? And those are questions that surgeons should be asking you, you know, you and I, I'm not really as much as I'd like to think, I don't think I can dunk a basketball anymore. So if I'm getting surgery, that's not really what I want to be doing for me. It's just making sure I can get down on the ground with my kids and being able to play and maybe run around a little bit, but I, I really don't need to be in that tip top shape. So that, you know, understanding what you really want to get back to, I think is a huge part of the orthopedic episode that often gets uh, thought of as, as different. And so in these, these NFL athletes, they're starting to look at what are the other treatments out there. So some are flying to different countries to try different stem cell treatments. So there's just a lot of advancement in orthopedics that I think we're trying to bring that to the masses so they know, hey, these are the treatments that you may not be seeing, but uh, uh, there's an opportunity for you to, to experience these. So do you plan on getting in other spaces other than orthopedics? You're getting in, get into cardiology or maybe the uh, chronic disease states that are so expensive to these school districts? Yeah. So one of the things that we've been looking at is cardiology because there, there is some opportunity there. Um, we really think this is a better specialist model. So anything that's a specialist visit, we really think there's a good opportunity. Um, so cardiology is one that we've been looking at. We know ENT is another one that's a little less expensive, but we're really trying to meet people where they need. So when we talk to the school districts, just understanding what are conditions they need help with, what is the data telling us? 
And then can we find a better specialist model here? So we do think there's a lot of opportunity and cardiac is kind of the first one we think of just because of the data that's kind of in front of our faces around stents and all these things that we're doing that are proving to be unhelpful. Yeah. Since they're considered a low value treatment and used to be the way, way to go. Yep. Let's talk about medications, Michelle. What was your experience with Chippewa with the medication bringing that cost down and how did you pull it off? It's a great question about pharmaceuticals. Um, our broker was very helpful uh, with me and our team about looking at switching from one pharmaceutical rep to the other one. Um, and so we switched our carriers based on the fact that they had better bundled pricing and um, the fact that they were able to negotiate lower costs for high prescriptions um, that aren't generic. And so uh, we were able to decrease our prescriptions by about $250,000 within, actually it was more like $500,000 within the first year. And we really had the right trajectory going over the years up through 2022. And I don't have the 2023 data right now, but saved a significant amount of money in that area. And the other piece that we did is through our DPC, we really promoted the generic prescriptions. Um, they're a lot less expensive. Um, it allowed our employees to get free refills and easy access. And so the, the community pricing for prescriptions versus our at cost for DPC prescriptions is significantly different. So we were able to save a huge amount of money with one switching carriers that allowed us to be able to negotiate prices for high cost prescriptions and really promoting individuals getting their prescriptions filled at our clinic. Yeah, so you're currently with a new school district on an interim basis. You, you've got this yeah. magic wand you could wave to save them millions of dollars, a much larger school district than Chippewa, Eau Claire. What, what are your plans at Eau Claire? Are they gonna give you enough time to get this implemented or? What's the strategy there? That's a great question. Um, and actually my role uh, right now with the district is uh, around supervising principals and supporting them. But we are looking at a budget deficit for this year and next year. Um, so we are in, our, are in the beginning meeting stages with our business manager and HR director around moving from fully funded to self-funded and then um, exploring all the different options that are out there. They have not had experience in that area, but I believe they're starting to hear those things. And I'm um, voicing thoughts and ideas around DPCs and MD direct orthopedics and, um, you know, whether it's cardiology or, you know, just general, like even labs are significantly different for community pricing versus pricing through DPC. So there are so many different ways to save money um, using the, you know, Teleservices is a huge cost saving. And I think there's just so much out there right now that you can save millions and millions of dollars. And I, I think our the district that I'm in now could probably look to save eight million within the first year. So Texas had a revolution. We had a rebellion, I should say. We had of the twelve hundred and fifty school districts, 150 opted out of the TRF, Texas Teachers Retirement Fund. A blue cross plan because the premiums and deductibles were so high and about a third of the workers couldn't even afford to join the plan. So 150 opted out. Of the 150 a large number of them still kept with the blues, 
self-funded, which makes 100% zero sense. And some of them have decided to go self-funded and go cash pay same day or DPC or medication bidding and a, a whole variety of strategies out there and tactics. But the ones who have haven't had to raise taxes and they've been able to give raises and some of them have given even free health care. Are other schools in Wisconsin catching on to the Chippewa model or is this still st early stages? I think it's still early stages. There are a number of schools in the southeastern part of the state that were probably early adopters, and they have been successful and continue to be successful. Up in the northern part of Wisconsin, Chippewa Falls was the first district to move to a DPC model. Um, but I do believe there are a number of people are moving in that direction. I know Chippewa County, the county moved in that direction. Also a public entity, I believe Dunn County just moved to that model as well. And so the the word is getting out on the amount of money that Chippewa Falls School District has saved and other uh, businesses and public entities are moving in that direction as well. What is the resistance to not changing? Change. Change is hard. Change is scary. It's a little scary, isn't it? Yes, it is. And and it's, you know, it does take some legwork. And I think when there's shortages and there's not enough people, people are trying to do their job uh, with less people. And it how do you implement change something this big when people feel like there's not enough one knowledge and two people to help implement? So your big fear in HR probably is getting a lot of noise, meaning a lot of friction from the employees who don't understand it and contact you and spend all day long, you know, on the phone with you trying to understand this. Did you get a lot of noise when you rolled this out and started engaging employees in DPC? Yes, but um, what we did in our HR department is what we called the insurance roadshow. Um, so we went to every single building in the district and rolled it out. And then we did some follow-up to answer questions. Uh, we did a couple little webinars that we put out on our website and uh, really helped our employees understand. And we also had an insurance committee and our committee who included all stakeholders in our district, food service, custodial, support staff, teachers, administrators, all of those um, people came together and say, how can we help other people understand what this looks like and why it's important to use. So once you get a group, a solid group of people that believes in it and sees the savings that it is, then you can move in the right direction. And as new educators come in or new young employees come in, then they are just like, well, this is how it is and this is how it works. So they don't know any different. So as, as turnover starts, it's a lot easier to implement. Um, so over the six years that I was part of that, process and implementation. The first couple of years was difficult and we looked at how do we increase. But as I was leaving, we were almost meeting capacity with our clinic and potentially looking at how can we expand it to continue to make this uh, high quality, easy access DPC. All right. Well, one of my final questions is uh, I'm going to assume that teachers are hard to find across the country. There's big shortages going on. We know about our your turnover numbers at Chippewa Falls showing going in the right direction. In other words, are you retaining more because you have a better plan? 
I believe we retained more because of climate and culture, which had to do with health insurance and helping individuals solve some medical issues. We know that, and you mentioned it earlier, that many people live paycheck to paycheck and trying to figure that out um, takes time during the day. And if people don't have to do that and try to figure out their medical care and how am I going to take off work, it really helps them focus on their work. So our retention rate was around 95%. It kind of wavered between 92 and 95. So um, education is hard work. And I, I know there's a number of employment groups that feel that it's hard work. But I think too, sometimes people will leave just because they think it might be easier somewhere else. But health care was one of the really positive things we did to improve our culture. Sam, what, what reason do people tell you no for MD? Is MD direct objectionable? I mean, you're saving people basically half their surgical spend. Well, what reason would they tell you no? Well, I think it's difficult as Michelle was talking about to try a different model. A lot of times it's going to see, you know, it's my neighbor's cousin is the orthopedist and I know them really, really well. They got this big facility. So it's really easy. I just walk in and I kind of don't have to, to do an extra step. So it's really convincing them that this extra step will in turn help them out. So it's kind of getting that first initial push um, and getting everybody to understand this is truly better for you. Because I think some people have been a little leery of the online doctors. So it's just getting that that first group of people interested. And then once you get a lot of employees that have experienced it and have gone through telling that story, making sure everybody knows, like this actually is easier. Um, we were just kind of laughing the other day where our physician came to us and was it not frustrated, but just like, man, everybody is calling us right now. We're getting so many calls. I think the word is getting out. So we start to see a little bit of a snowball effect, but it really is that first kind of change that is the most difficult. And, and I think that's what Michelle and her team did just such a great job of was helping communicate that message. But it does take a, a little bit more involvement than normal to uh, try one more step in the process. All right, so Sam, how do folks reach out to you and connect if they're interested in learning more? So the easiest way they can do is either just, you can shoot me an email personally, and that would be sam at gomddirect.com, or you can visit our website, www.gomddirect.com. Um, there's a contact form there as well. We also are on LinkedIn quite a bit, so you can search the company name there and uh, you know request request me as well. Uh, but yeah, we're we're open to talking to anybody. And uh, again, we love working with people like Michelle. We're probably not for everybody, but we definitely once we find our our group that really is motivated to make a change, I think we all we all are in a better spot after after moving forward. And Michelle, you can be found on LinkedIn, right? Yes, I can be found on LinkedIn. I also am the executive director of WASPA, and you can go to the WASPA website and email me from there. Okay, WASPA.com? Yes. Okay, very nice. All right, well, if you could fly a banner overhead, each of you get to answer this question, what would that message be to Americans? Sam, you want to go first? Sure, that's a tough one. That's Michelle's way of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big... I have an optimistic view, so I really would would think that it it can just say it can be better. I think there there is always a way around some of these problems that I think if people can just believe 
it may take a few more steps, but there really is a better way. I just think having that belief is going to help us all. So that's something I would fly. That's a great answer, Sam. And I would also add to that. I think question your healthcare, question your employer about other options in healthcare that allow for easy access and support the employee, which would decrease costs. So if you're a school district like Eau Claire and some of the others in Wisconsin and back to every state in the country, and you're looking at, do I cut staff to the bone more? Do I, you know, cut teacher pay? Do I go for a tax increase and all the complications involved with that? Or do I bring in my costs on the second biggest spend, which is healthcare? Michelle and Sam are telling you, it's not as complicated as you think. The water's warm. Don't be afraid to dive in. Exactly. Healthcare is a, something that you have, control is the wrong word, but you have the ability to decrease that in a very easy way. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you both for your time, and we'll look forward to catching up with you as you spread this all over Wisconsin. Thank y'all. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Ron. I have been a happy customer of Redirect Health since before I started the show, guys, and I know firsthand the integrity and laser focus on us of the members of its two founders, Dave Bird and Dr. Janice Johnson. What do I get from me and my team? Well, I have 24-7 access to my healthcare team for any reason, and they have all my medical records right at their fingertips at all times. So no more filling out those stupid forms in clinics. And if I need a refill, if I got a rash, I've hurt my back, I need an annual physical, Redirect Health takes it from there. I just tell them on my app what I need. We get free primary care visits and chiropractic and labs and patient assistance with meds, which means you can get free meds for a lot of your employees, probably most of them actually, and hospitalization with a $2,000 deductible. All of that is in my plan for about half what I used to pay in a traditional high deductible plan. But I have zero deductibles, zero co-pays, except for that $2,000. So I go to get my care with my own doctor or they'll find one for me. You keep your doctor with this plan and I pay nothing there at the clinic after. It's super clean. What a friction-free plan should look like, right? And it's much less chance of any surprise bills and Redirect totally handles all the hassles when my doctor's billing department in the hospital messes up and they mess up 80% of the time. Well, I'm treated like a person, not a number at Redirect. So I'll say it on this show a million times and on my LinkedIn post dozens of times, I use Redirect Health. If you want to get the business owner's guide to slashing healthcare premiums, go to get.redirecthealth.com backslash Ron. Get.redirecthealth.com backslash Ron. Thanks for listening. You can advance our movement by subscribing and kindly take a minute and leave a review. Each is a win for this show. Until next episode. <laughs>